You know, long ago when I first moved to Florida, I was in Lakeland, Florida, and Pastor Joe was such a great influence on me. And he told me about Tuesday Church. And um, what a great idea to be able to meet together, to fellowship together, to have another time where we come together to worship the Lord. Um, now, he ca- did he call me an apostle? So, you know, his nickname is the Bishop of Florida. So I, I don't know if you can just call him Bishop Joe if you want to. Um, does everybody remember the series we just got out called Crackpots? Okay, we are the fellowship of the cracked pots. Raise your right hand or your left hand and repeat after me. I am part of the fellowship of the cracked pots. And God has a purpose for your life. If, God, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got a purpose. Now turn back to the person who just said that to you and say, I'm not so sure about you. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And as Joe said, it's been a tough year. But God has left you here for a reason. He has called you to make a difference in the lives of your neighbors and as the people you rub shoulders with at Walmart or uh, Lowe's or uh, wherever you go with your children, your spouse, your friends. You are the first line of defense that God has given to the people around you so that when they're grieving or hurting and there's a loss in their family or they're dealing with a bad diagnosis, that Jesus can be seen. And so you are a part of the fellowship of of the cracked pot today. You have a purpose. So uh, did anybody in here ever uh, <clears throat> remember being a part of like church pageants growing up in, in church or in school? How many of you were Mary, Joseph, angels, wise men, donkeys? Don't look at your husbands, ladies. Heard a story about a young boy. He was eight years old. And he was uh, asked by, this is a, a church play. He was asked by the director if he would be willing to be the innkeeper. And he was nervous. I mean, uh, <clears throat> he went home and he's like, Mom, what if they don't like what I'm wearing? I mean, this is my big opportunity. And she's like, you'll be fine. You're just the innkeeper. Well, the the day before their presentation, they gathered all together and they sat down and the producer, director of their little play, read to them the Christmas story and talked about the struggles of Mary and Joseph and how that God had given them a son that was his son that would save all of humanity And so the night of the the play came and they were going through the story. Mary and Joseph came to his end and they said, Joseph said, we are looking for a place to rest so my wife can have this child. And as he thought about the story, tears began to well up in his eyes. And he said, I'm so sorry. There's no room in the inn. 
Joseph took Mary and they began to walk on. And this little boy was overcome with compassion for Mary and Joseph and Jesus and says, wait, wait, don't go. Come back. You can stay in our room. We'll sleep on the couch. And everybody went dead silent because they knew the story. And Joseph, little Joseph, saved the day. He grabbed Mary's hand and he said, forget it. No wife of mine is going to sleep in a dump like that. Let's go to the barn. We know the story, don't we? Mary and Joseph engaged. Mary becomes pregnant. An angel appears and says, do not be afraid. Joseph feels depre- uh, feels uh, betrayed. Divorce seems imminent. An angel appears and says, do not be afraid. A decree is issued, 70 miles of a journey to be taken. There's no room in the inn. A barn is found. A baby is born. And angels appear and they worship. Shepherds wander. And then they wonder and they discover that love is here. The, that last snapshot of Christmas is one that needs to be endearing to us. That Jesus came to bring love. That Jesus came to bring hope. And friends, I don't know about you, but there's something called the commercialization of Christmas. Do you know what that is? That's when we focus more on all of the other things going on around us. The lights and the toys and the gifts and the Amazon Cyber Monday and the Black Fridays that nobody goes to because we got Cyber Monday. And the songs that we sing and the traditions that we hold, that sometimes the greatest story in history is missed. Love is here. Love is here for the downtrodden. Love is here for the broken. Love is here for the heart sick. Love is here for the child that's sick. Love is here for the families that are recovering. Love is here for those who have been affected by COVID. Love is here for those who have had to sign tear-stained divorce papers. Love is here for those who have had to witness flag-draped coffins. Caskets, love is here for the broken who continue to fall apart as we go through this thing called the golden years of our life. Love is here. Love is here for the widow and the widower, the orphan, the disenfranchised, the hopeless, the homeless, the searcher, and the redeemed. Love is here. Love is here. Love is here. And when that love shows up, and when God established a beachhead in the, uh, this world in sometime between 3 and 5 B.C., he said, this is so that people no longer have to suffer, so that they no longer have to be afraid, so that they no longer have to be lost. 
because light has shone into the darkness and the darkness is afraid of the light and will run because love is here. So today in your seat, whatever you're going through, whatever challenges you have, whatever fears you're facing, the angel is appearing to all of us today through scripture saying, fear not, for I got you. I think that's in the Greek. (laughs) One of the best snapshots of Christmas happened during another Christmas play that was taking place. A mom, I had a six-year-old first grader and I relate to that because I have a six-year-old, I mean, not a sixth grader, a a first grader. I have a six-year-old. She had a six-year-old. She was telling the story about how he was just so excited to be part of this Christmas pageant at school. And he went and uh, she discovered that she wasn't going to be able to attend his performance because it was at night and she had to work that night. She was a nurse. And so she talked to the teacher and the teacher said, it's okay. We have a dress rehearsal that day. Lots of parents are going to be there. Just come. And she told her son and, and they decided that they would be able to do that together. And so it was a compromise. So the day of the dress rehearsal, she shows up and she uh, sits cross-legged. Uh, what is that? What does my daughter say? Something, something, applesauce, crisscross applesauce. So um, she sits crisscross applesauce and is getting ready as she sees other parents begin to to do those things. And pretty soon the classes start coming in, you know, first the kindergartners and then the first graders and then the second graders. They all sit down all the way to sixth grade. And then they begin their performance. And she was surprised because this was a secular school. She thought that there was going to be a, uh, you know, kind of the commercialization of Christmas that came out. They're going to sing about Santa and reindeers and Lords of Leaping and Indiana winning. And I don't know how that slipped in. All those other things. So she was surprised when her son's class stood up with their little fuzzy hats on and their mittens And they began to sing a song called Christmas Love. And they were started singing and as they were going through, they had this little row in the front row and all these kids had little letters that they would hold up. You know, they had been chosen to be the, the standard bearers. And so when they got to see, they said, C is for Christmas. And they held up the C. And then the next one said, H is for happy. And they went through and they went through this whole thing. And the kids are just loving it. They're into the song until they got to Christmas love to the very end. Except that when they got halfway through, there was a little girl who, instead of holding up an M, held up an W. And right away, you know, the kids that could read, um, you know, they started chuckling and the teachers were shh. And this little girl had no idea. She just stood up there as, as bold and as uh, smiling as big as she could. And everyone was kind of chuckling at the cuteness of the little six-year-old first grader until they got to the S and they all read what it said. Christ was love. Friends, I don't know what you're going through today. 
But my guess is that everyone in this room has brought a burden of some kind and a challenge. And it's my hope this Christmas season that as we celebrate, we remember that as the fellowship of the cracked pots, that there is something greater for us to hope in. There is a treasure that is buried deep inside of us that gives us hope, not just for today, but for an everlasting life. You know, I, the first memory verse I learned was, you want anybody want to guess? Jesus wept, that's it. It might have been a little verse that we see at football games in the end zone. John 3.16, which says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I love, instead, if I could change the NIV, I would change it from eternal to everlasting because everlasting is so significant to me. It reminds me that eternal means everlasting, without end, without cease, that there is a life beyond this life. And so the first verse I taught my children, my six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old and uh, my nine-year-old's, you know, one, a baby genius, so he can already say this, but was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The second verse I taught my children was John three sixteen, And I don't know if you know my wife, but she tends to be mm, strong-willed. And she said, we're teaching them verse 17 too. Because verse 17 for her is where the money is. For all of us sinners out here who carry regret for things we've done, for things that we've said, verse 17 is a keeper. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, you have a God who loves you, who created you for a purpose. And if you feel forgotten or disenfranchised or put on the shelf or put out to pasture, I'm here to tell you that Jesus came for you. He came for you to live strong and for a purpose. And so we're going to do what my dad always does when he was teaching elementary kids, every put up, put up your thumb, repeat after me. I, I am, am somebody. somebody. <laughs> you are. And Jesus came for you. And you've got a mission today, if you're willing to accept it, to take the greatest message ever given. To all of those who may not have Christmas cheer this year and need to know that Christ was love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for the way that you love us. And Lord, we know in this room that there are all kinds of burdens that we carry, fears that we have, frustrations that we struggle with. 
relationships that are broken. Lord, we know that you are the healer of a broken heart, that you are close to those who um, have broken hearts and you bind up the, the, and, and help those who have been wounded. God, we know that you are a miracle worker and that through the power of prayer, Lord, we can come to you and ask you to intervene and that God, that sometimes you choose to do that in ways that we never thought was possible. So, Lord, today I pray that you would invigorate us, that you would reignite our hearts and our passions, and that we would live for you with all that we are. God, in our sad moments, remind us of hope. Because we know that Christmas is all about Christ, his love, was love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.